You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. In other words, the heavens declare the, the, the glory of God. You see the heavens, it just, it just makes you go, wow, this, whoever did this is way beyond our limits. He's just so incredible, and that's what God portrays. So t- this week, I want for us to move forward, and we're going to go through the whole chapter of, of chapter 1, verses from chapter, I mean, verse 2, all the way to the end of the chapter, and I titled this, Creation Described. Because the Bible gives us a very clear description of our world. And as we go through the creation account, I want us to see how the Bible is not the enemy of true science. But true science confirms the biblical account. So Christians shouldn't get freaked out when when, uh, someone says, well, this is what science says. We have to find out what does true science say. Because science is something that you can actually put an experiment to, that you can test it, you can observe it. And so as we look at the Bible, we have to, we have to do the same thing. And there's an element to both sides. When you talk about uh, 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 creation, there's an element of what? Faith. Amen? But when you look at science, especially when you're looking at evolution, there's an element of faith. And as we, I look at the Bible, it makes a lot more sense to me to have faith in what the biblical account says to what uh, evolutionary thought says. There's so many holes there. And so you need, to, you need to be able to grab a hold of that, and especially young people as you're going through, through schools, and especially universities, because when you go into the college levels, your faith will be challenged. And it's very important that we understand what does the Bible say and how can we make sense of everything around us because of what the Bible says. If we look outside of the biblical account, it leaves us asking important questions and not getting a uh, satisfactory answer. Questions like, how did life originate? Or how did matter come into existence? What is the purpose of man? And what is man's destiny? The Bible answers all of these questions, all of them, and God will always speak to us where we're at. He always speaks to us in a language that we can understand. You have to remember something, God is infinite. In other words, he's way beyond our understanding, but he speaks to finite man in a way that we can understand it and we can see it. So I've got two points, because it's Father's Day. But they're long points. So let's pray first. Thank you, Lord. Father, as as, um, we open your word, we we always, Lord, anticipate and we're eager to hear from you because your word is true and it's 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 a light unto our path and it helps us from stumbling, Lord God, and being tripped up in this world. So I just pray that you guide me. The things that I prepared, I pray, Lord, that that I can communicate them very clearly And uh, I pray, Lord God, that everything that is said is going to glorify the name of Jesus. 
And as we leave here today, Father, um, every person that's sitting and myself, may we be able to say it has been really good to be in God's house because we've heard your word. So we pray for this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. So point number one that, that we find out in, 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 uh, in the creation account is that we serve a God of purpose. He is a God of purpose. If you open up your Bible right now to chapter 1, and, and uh, if you don't have your Bible, that's okay, but we're going to read our Bibles. We're going to be looking at the, at the biblical account. You'll also have it on the screen. But if you look at your Bibles, in, uh, and we start in verse, verses 2 and 3, it says, The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. And then verse 3 says, Then God said, and two things stand out right away from the text. The first thing that stands out is that Genesis 1-2 introduces us to the fact that the Holy Spirit was active in creation. Right away in verse 2 it says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. He was sizing it up. And if the Spirit of God was sizing up a dark and uninhabited formless existence so that he could give it purpose, what do you think that he desires to do in us? Think about that. If the Holy Spirit was there at the beginning of creation, when there was nothing but a dark, uninhabited, some would say chaotic existence, what do you think the Holy Spirit does with us? He's always looking to see what he can do to transform our life. Amen. Jesus helps us here because later in, in, in chapters 14 through 16 in the, in the Gospel of John, he explained to his disciples that the Holy Spirit would be their helper. That the Holy Spirit would be the counselor. He would be the spirit of truth. And that he would be the advocate. In other words, he'd be the supporter. And then he says, he is all of these things. Talking about the Holy Spirit being a person. So when we look at that and you look at the Genesis account and you say that the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the deep, you see that there was another agent, another person that was at work as the Godhead put everything together. Amen? The second thing that stands out to me, which is very important, is Genesis 1-3 introduces, introduces us to the fact that God brought purpose into the cosmos through his word. And his word is Jesus. Amen. Amen? In the following verses, we will see that God said, and as the word of God spoke, he created all that would be created with Purpose. The beautiful thing about this is the New Testament shines light on the Old Testament. It, it, it allows for us to see. Now again, John's Gospel, it, it helps us here. The very beginning of John's Gospel starts out like this. In the beginning was the Word. How do we know that? In the beginning, God said. So, so now we start having some clarity in, in the New Testament. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. 
And the word was God. And then it goes on to say, he was with God in the beginning. So now the word has a, has a, a personality. He is a he. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The word is Jesus. And he spoke everything into existence. And when he spoke everything to existence, it was because he gave everything a purpose. There is nothing that God creates that doesn't have a purpose. If you're waking up in the morning thinking, what is my life good for? It's good because God made you and he's got a wonderful plan for your life. Day number one. This is so cool right here. I just spilled my water. Day number one. God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day, and here's what really, really, really surprised me. As I was looking at this account, the source of light on the first day was not the sun, S-U-N. The source of light in God's perspective is not what he has created, but he is the source of light himself. Jesus, when he came to the earth, he said, I am the light of the world. And so the, the, the first thing that I see is that the, 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 the creation, as God is creating, he's saying, I am here, I am the source of light, I will separate darkness and light, and then I will bring everything into fruition. The New Testament confirms this truth when it states, I said this, that Jesus is the light of the world, and in him, as I stated earlier, is life, and he is the light of men. Light has a purpose, but we need to understand that. Light has a purpose. I looked at Webster's, and Webster said, this is what day is, okay? Day is the time of light between one night and the next, the part of the day when people are usually most active and when most businesses are open. Hey, that makes sense. Has anyone said, let's see what this day brings? Have you ever got up in the morning and say, let's see what this day is going to bring? Has anyone ever said, we're running out of daylight? You've been working with someone and say, dude, we're running out of daylight. Come on, andale. Because you're productive in the day. How, how many of us say, say something like this? Tomorrow is going to be another day. We'll get things done. There's optimism, optimism in those words. And let's look at darkness. Darkness has a God-given purpose. Amen? Night... Night is the time of darkness between one day and the next. And some of you guys, of you guys said, wow, pastor, that's, that's a revelation. <laughs> it's the part of the day when no light from the sun can be seen. And most people, let's put this in there, most wise people and even the animals sleep. How many of you worked the graveyard shift ever? You ever worked the graveyard shift? 
And what do you say when you're going into work at graveyard? No one should be up at this time. No one. No one should be doing Right? Right? I worked at BHP for years, and I never got used to working at night. And I, worked, I used to go to work where there was no light. But there was something in my body that said, as I was going in, I should not be here working. I should be there at my house, laying down next to my sweetie pie, sleeping. Amen? Anyone ever said, thank God this day is over? Huh? And you, go, you get a good night's rest, right? Anyone ever got up in the morning and said, I had a great night's sleep? I have. I get up all the time and say, man, I had a great night's sleep. You know, the night, God ha- has a purpose for it. And in that, there's some rest that can take place. Amen? Day number two. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault, and he separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And, so, and it was so, and God called the vault sky. And there was evening, and there was morning the second day. This vault, or this expanse, is called sky, and it has a purpose. First of all, it separated the waters in the sky from the, from, from the waters on the earth, and he gave boundaries to the waters of the sky. He said, waters, stay there. And he told the waters on the earth, waters, stay there. And he separated, and he put this sky. And the Hebrew word for, for expanse or for sky, it describes something like, like a covering, something that you spread over. And think about it, the sky covers the earth. And God thought to himself, And I just inserted this. God probably said, not a bad day's work. I can't wait to see what I do tomorrow. Amen? Amen? And notice that God waits to say it's good because seven times he'll look and he'll say, it's good. And the last time he says, it's very good. But he waits here until day three and day three. And God said against the word, the word is being spoken. Jesus is moving. Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place. And let the dry ground appear. And it was so. And and God called the dry ground land. And the the gathered waters he called seas. And and God saw that it was, say it with me, good. Then God said, let the land begin to produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. And the land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. Notice that God is producing what? Reproduction. He's producing life. He's producing progression. And the land produced vegetation and plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God said that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And everything in day three is filled with purpose. The waters are gathered into seas And God designates their boundaries. And they're being prepared for the purpose of housing the fish and all the sea creatures. But they're not there yet, okay? 
But he's preparing everything. The land appears so that we could walk on the earth and so vegetation can grow and the fruit trees can grow. And the vegetation and the fruit trees and shrubs have seed, which means that they can reproduce. God has a purpose in seeds. They they reproduce and the earth becomes alive. I love the way that Ralph Waldo Emerson put it because he said it right. The creation of a thousand forests is in one acorn. A seed. One seed can produce a forest. One seed produced a world of people. We're going to look at that. God is a God of life. He's a God of purpose. See, we don't live in some kind of a, I don't know what's supposed to happen in my life. God knows exactly what's supposed to happen. He's preparing us so that we can have a relationship with him. So we could have a life of, 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 of not only purpose, but, but production. And then point number two, two is important. He is a God of order. How many of you know that God brings order into our lives? And structure. As we progress through the creation account, we continue to see that every part of his creation continues to have God-given purpose. But we also begin to clearly see that he is a God of structure and he's a God of order. He is not the God of chaos. He is not the creator of confusion. Confusion came when The fall of man came about and Satan crept in with lies and deception. And that's where people get confused. You know what? You'll never be confused with God. He doesn't bring confusion. He gives us order and structure and everything we need. Day number four helps us out. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth and it was so God made two great lights the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night he also made the stars and God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth to govern day and night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw it was, say it with me, good. And there was evening and there was morning. Now think about order, structure, precision of our God. Day one was preparatory for day four. And we can see that they parallel. In other words, day one, he said, let there be light. And then he separated the light from the darkness. Now, day one, day two, day three are preparatory for day four, day five, and day six. If you parallel day one and day four, you see that he brought the sun and the moon into this dark and light. Are you with me? Do you see that? If not, go home and do that. Put one, two, three. Put four, five, six and see how they parallel and how they fit because God is a God of order. He's a God of structure. Every day, let me say this first, man didn't event the calendar 
God did. Every day is measured and laid out by the sunrise and the sunset and the rising of the moon and the setting of the moon. Science, that's okay, it's probably an important call. Science, science has revealed that it takes the moon approximately, okay, let me just ask you a question. How many days does it take the moon to orbit around the earth? I'll tell you, 27.3 days. It takes the moon 27.3 days for it to circular, circularly orbit the earth. There are 28 days in a month. Seven days. A month is made up of four seven-day periods. God set everything into motion. God also helps us out to understand that this great, great light, which is the sun, and this lesser light, which is the moon. How many of you knew that the moon is about 240,000 miles from the earth? That's not that far. 240,000 miles. That's a fact, by the way. Okay? I didn't make it up. So, how many of us have more than 240,000 miles on our cars? PJ does. I got a great running Corolla. All right? So, it's not that far. So, it's 240,000 miles from the, from, the, from, from the earth. The moon is. That's the lesser light. And the sun is 400 times further. Now, the sun is also 400 times larger than the moon. The moon is 2,100 miles in diameter. That's about the size of the United States. Now, when you look at the sun and the moon, if you look at them from the United, from, from, from America, not America, from the earth, they're the, they look the same size because the, the angular size is exactly the same. Only God could do that. That lesser light and that, and that greater light look the same. And the reason for that is if the earth was any closer to the sun, it would burn. If the earth was any further from the sun, it would freeze. Are you with me? See, this is not, this is not something that just happened, uh, oh, you know, just all of a sudden a big bang. No, no, no. The big bang is God. And that's what we, amen, give him a hand. Yeah, I, I would, I would. If you believe it, I would. And so when you begin to look at this and, and just how amazing, how amazing these facts are, it begins to help you to grab a hold of just how orderly and structurally our God is. Day number five, God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let the bird fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves. How many of you know what teems mean? Teems mean. You know what that means? It just means abundance. An abundance, okay? Uh, and, and that moves about it according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and God blessed them. And I want you to hold on to that underline if you have a Bible. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Every time that God says in Genesis 1 in the, in the creation account, God bless them, it always has to do with production. It always has to do with, with the beautiful gift that God gave us that we're able to produce offsprings. And to the animals, he said, 
He blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water and the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. Day two was preparatory for day five and we can see that they parallel. And if you put them side by side, we will see that day two, God says, let there be a sky that separates the waters on earth from the waters in the sky. And in day five, he filled the sky with birds that fly. He filled the waters on the earth with sea creatures and every kind of fish and living things in abundance, each according to their kind. They have the potential to multiply according to their kind. It is still like that to this day. Dolphins produce dolphins. If you don't believe me, go to the ocean and observe. Starfish produce starfish. Whales produce whales. Ducks produce ducks. And swallows produce swallows. You know those little birds that we have out here? How do we know? Because we're trying to stop them from going doo-doo on our sidewalk. And they keep producing. Why? According to their kinds. Because God is a God of order. Not chaos. Everything and everyone has its boundaries. Amen? Those birds that are flying right above us, right there in that, those monitors, they have their boundaries. Day number six is, a, is, is the greatest of all the days. It has, more, it has more text to it. It has more narrative on day six than all of the other days that God was creating. Why? Because someone very special is going to come. Who would that be? Man and woman. And God said, day number six, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds and let the livestock, I mean, according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its, say it with me, kind. Are you grabbing a hold of that? And it was so, and God made the wild animals according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us, let us. Now, whew, oh boy, monkey wrench. God is talking, and he's talking in plurality. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Now think about it. The angels can't create because they're created. So when God says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, he's talking about a, a plurality in the Godhead. I mentioned to you that the Word was there. The Word is Jesus. He reveals that to us in the New Testament. We talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a He. We re, he reveals that in the New Testament. And now we see it plainly put right here. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and in, and, and in the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image because God is one. Amen? Do we see how Scripture begins to clarify things? And some of you guys are going, some of you are wiggling in your seats. I already see it. And you're going, Wow. 
This is hard for us to grasp. Remember, God is infinite. We are finite. So when you begin to see the, the, the Godhead revealed, you see it, Jesus spoke it. Jesus spoke to Philip. He said, Philip said, just show us the Father. And he told Philip, Philip, have I not been with you long enough? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Notice he didn't tell Philip, I am the Father. He didn't say that. He said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. The Father and I are one. Are you with me? And so we begin to understand that the, the Godhead is relational. That's why he made people relational. Yes. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them, and that's so important, beloved. We live in a world right now, and it's no different than it was from, since the fall. We live in a world where, where people and behind people is the devil. As we go into chapter 2, we're going to see this. And chapter 3, we're going to see the devil comes in and he distorts God's beautiful creation and he makes people question. God created people. He made male and he made females. Amen? So that helps us to, as we go forward. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. In other words, we're going to see this in, in Genesis chapter 2 again. We're going to see that when, when, when he talks to Adam and, and to Eve, and he said, For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And they were naked and had no shame. So from the very beginning, sex, whew, be careful, we're in church. Sexual intimacy was never a bad thing because God ordained it. You know what makes it a bad thing? Sin. Sin distorts it. But here he says, he blessed them, and he's told them, go and multiply the earth. And Adam went like this. Yay. And you would have done the same thing. And, God, and, and then the Lord said to him, he said, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God gave man lordship. Wow. You know that the animals are not trying to figure out how they can get men to behave? They don't, they don't, they don't think about those things because God never created them to do that. But how come we are always working, man, if I can only get my dog to do a trick... I can't wait till I go and do this. I, you know, dolphins, whales. We, I mean, we men make animals do all kinds of things. That, yesterday, the, the, the last night, the youth went to a wonderful uh, uh, outing, and they went to to little hooves to the mockbees, and they they have their beautiful horses. Their, their little horses, by the way, they're going to come and give a presentation in the future. And so, and so, they, Tammy trains these little miniature horses, and they do things that no other horse can do. They'll sit on your lap, I think. Why? Because man was given that ability by God. And then God said, um, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, 
I give every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw all that he had made. He took a step back, and, and, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Day three was preparatory for day six, and we can see that they parallel. If you put them side by side, we see that on day three, God spoke the land to produce vegetation and plants producing seed and fruit trees which produce seed. And on day six, he created the land animals and the livestock and the wild animals. The reason that he did not create the wild animals and the livestock before he, plant, he put the land and before he put the, the vegetation was because if he would have done that, he would have been a disorderly God and they wouldn't have had anything to eat. So he did everything precise. And can I tell you something, beloved? Can I tell you something? That's exactly what he wants to do in your life. He doesn't want for you to put the cart before the horse. I don't need God. Can I tell you? You need God more than what you could ever know. Everything has its place and its kinds. Giraffes are giraffes, and tigers are tigers, and lions are lions, and bears and bears, and everybody said, oh my. <laughs> and he took a step back, and he took a step back, and I really believe, he said, I saved the best for last. I will make man and I'll make woman in my image and they'll be spiritual, they'll have the potential to be spiritual and the ability to be moral. They won't live by instinct. In fact, you have to violate your conscience to do things that are wrong. We do them because we have a fallen nature, but we have to violate our God-given conscience to do that. Their rationale, they're rational. They, 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 people can figure things out. They're active. They're responsible. They're creative. They're little lords over my creation, God said. In other words, they're going to rule over everything. And by his and only his gifting, he grants man and women immortality. That's not man. Man doesn't have immortality on his own. God gave that to us. God breathed his life into us. In fact, the Bible tells us that only God alone is immortal. But he grants immortality to those who trust in him. Man is God's prized creation. Everything that was made was made for the enjoyment of man. And he granted us the ability to be active and vibrant and in a relationship with him. And he blessed his creation. And he said, multiply and fill the earth. And he, and he told us, put God first. Because he's the reason that we have life. And purpose. Amen. And he gives us the ability to be dads and to have families. And then we become grandparents. <laughs> and things change. Hearts change and you just love those kiddos. Yeah. You see, beloved, I'm going to close now. Genesis 1 reveals that 
God is a God of purpose, and he's a God of structure. But it reveals one very important thing, which I knew that I wouldn't have time to just deal with, but I want to say it before you guys leave. He's a God of progression. You see, you can't move forward and have true purpose and structure without having God in your life. Let's all bow our heads if you don't mind. Hear these words that I close with. Step by step. Step by step. In an orderly and a progressive manner, the Creator accomplishes His work. Each stage is purposeful and is a preparation for what follows. First, He created the universe in its unfinished condition. Then the Spirit moved upon the primitive chaos and gave it shape and order. And the waters above were separated from the waters below. And land emerged and vegetation began to sprang up. Then as we continue on through Genesis 1 and 2, we see him accomplish higher types of work until he finally created man and woman, the crowning work of his creation. As you bow your head right now, I just want you to think you are his crowning work, and that's why Jesus died for your restoration. You're fearfully and wonderfully created in the image of God. And though sin has marred this image and it's damaged God's original creation, it is and will be restored by the person of Jesus Christ. He desires to restore God's true purposes and to take our chaotic life and restore order and peace. Can I tell you something, beloved, if you bow your heads? If you haven't made Jesus your Lord and Savior, we're in a mess. We need him. We need his purpose. We need his structure. We need his order. And we need his progression. Today's a great day for you to make that decision. I'm going to pray a prayer, and if you agree with this prayer, I'd just love for you to, to get ready to say, Lord, this is me. I want you in my life. I don't want to live my life without you. I don't want to get religious. I need you. I need the creator to create life in me, to change me, to make me what I could never be without you. God, I am a sinner. And I need your forgiveness. And I'm tired of living a life of chaos and disarray. I'm tired of trying to think that I can live my life without you. I need your creative and restoring power in my life. I believe that you alone can transform my heart and my life with divine power. So I give my broken life to you today. I confess that Jesus Christ died for my past, present, and my future sins on the cross at Calvary. I believe that he rose from the dead on the third day, just like the scripture said he would. And I'm making a choice to follow him in the fellowship of his church from this day on. Thank you, Lord, for empowering me with the Holy Spirit, that same spirit that 
hovered over the chaotic earth so that you can change me from the inside out. Father, you've given me the Holy Spirit when I trust in you. And I thank you for that. Amen. All heads bowed. Because there's someone here God brought you for this very reason. He brought you here because he wanted to show you that he is the creator of the universe, but he's also your creator. You were made by him. You were fashioned by him in the womb. And he wants to extend his hand to you, to restore you, to make you right with the Father. Because we're not right without Jesus. And your life will never be the same. And you prayed that prayer right now, and God is saying, just raise your hand up to me as I raise my hand down to you and tell you that I love you. If that's you here today, just raise your hand and let the Lord see it. Because he's the most important one. Yes. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Think about, think about the grandness of the creator of the universe extending his hand to you, saying, I love you, child. I want you to have a relationship with me. He's bigger than us. His love is grander than ours. And he reaches out to us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.